Am I all right to move this forward? Because I won't step in front of it, because if I do, I will fall off the front. That's my anchor at Turlock, too, because it's like, you know, just keep your hand here and you can't get into trouble, right? (laughs) Well, how many of you have been enjoying the Wise Up series? Do you feel wiser? (laughs) Everyone's silence. Nobody feels wiser. One of the things that we've been doing is uh, we've been standing together to read God's word. And uh, so if you would uh, stand with me, and if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your copy of God's word, whether that's on your phone or uh, it's uh, paper like I've got here today, we want to read together uh, this passage that's found in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. Uh, we also have it here. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, and that's what's up on the screen. And so uh, this is where we get to participate together and uh, read this together. And let's make sure I am in the uh, NLT. I am. All right. Are we ready? Let's read this together. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment discernment to the young. Amen. Uh, You can be seated. Has your mouth ever gotten you into trouble? A couple people, a couple people. <laughs> uh, so I'll just let you know, we're going to be talking about words today, wise words. And we've all been there, haven't we? We're just going along. We're minding our own business. All is going well. And then we open our mouths, right? And something comes out that we desperately wish we could grab a hold of and just reel it back in, right? Open mouth, insert foot, all goes wrong. Uh, It happens. And it happens uh, for some of us more than others, right? It happens when we're trying to be funny. It happens when we're provoked. It happens when we're lost for words. For me, it happens in situations where I get really comfortable with the people that I'm hanging out with. And all of a sudden, I allow them to hear what's actually going on inside this brain. And I there's just some things that, some thoughts that should never see the light of day, right? We've got a couple of young adults hanging out with me here today, and they've heard me preach, and they can tell you that there are times that things come out of my mouth that they're like, I don't, I don't know about Pastor Tommy. Uh, he's got some problems. Um, anyone lay awake at night rehearsing everything you said? Uh, that's me too. I'll go hang out with friends and family, uh, and we'll have a great time. Everything will be fantastic. And yet I'll go home and I'll lay awake, staring at the ceiling going, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, why did I talk about that? What if they took that the wrong way? And on and on and on it goes. And for some of us, our mouth can get us into all sorts of trouble. The good news is, is that throughout scripture, we find that God has something to say about this. And this is what Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. He says this, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll, you'll stay out of trouble. Seems easy, right? I love golfing. Uh, I watch videos and one of the golfing videos, if you're a golfer out there to break 100, it says, stop double bogeying. That would be awesome if I could just stop doing that. Another translation of Proverbs 21, 23 reads this, watch your words, hold your tongue, and you'll save yourself a lot of grief. I love that. 
Because I find myself uh, feeling a lot of grief sometimes because of the words that come out of my mouth. Proverbs 18, 21, Solomon writes this, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who live to talk will reap the consequences. Put another way in the message translation, it reads this, words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. We don't have to look very hard or search very far to find someone spouting off some verbal abuse in our society these days, right? You just go to the grocery store or uh, uh, drive out on Highway 99 or I-5 out here. Um, And for some of us, uh, we're in the middle of it, right? We're the instigators of the trouble. You know who you are, right? And I'm right there with you. Unfortunately, it seems like uh, my instincts are to respond in a way that doesn't glorify God. And yet, me and you, we were, we were created to glorify him. But unrighteous, unholy, ungodly words, cursing others, those seem to flow freely from my mouth. When I feel afraid, when I feel threatened, if I'm offended, inconvenienced, something happens or someone says something that arouses fear or anger, And out comes words that are not glorifying to the Lord. This plays out in our homes. It plays out in our schools, in the marketplace. It plays out right here within our churches. It plays out on social media. I think if we have a conversation about what words are being expressed and told to others, we immediately go to our news outlets and to social media and the things that we read and the things that uh, we hear about through those things. And I think that the words that Solomon is writing are talking about the words that we speak, the words that we think, but I want to take it a step further and talk about the words that we type, right? Just walk, just scroll through some of the comments in Christian threads and you'll find all kinds of uh, venomous words and hateful things that are being spouted back and forth between believers. The truth is when we dive into God's word and we apply godly wisdom to our lives about the words we use, it includes all those things that we think, that we type, that we speak, those things that can actually be heard by those around us. And Solomon is warning us, keep your mouth shut and you'll avoid grief. And he's telling us that our words, the words that you and I think, the words that we speak, all of them, they have the power to kill and destroy or they have the power to bring life and to build up. It's either poison or fruit. We get to choose. In the Gospel of Luke, we read about some godly wisdom from Jesus that gives us insight into where our words are coming from. And he says this in Luke uh, 6, verse 20. He's teaching his disciples, and he's passing along this godly wisdom on how the kingdom of God works. He's teaching them things like how the poor and the blessed will inherit, uh, the poor are blessed and they'll inherit the kingdom of God. He talks about how the hungry will be satisfied and those who weep will laugh in due time and happy, uh, be happy when people mock or curse you for following him, that we should love our enemies and that we should not judge others. And then in verse 43, Jesus goes on to explain what all of them would have already known. He just kind of sets up this dialogue and he says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. I got it. Makes sense. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes or grapes 
uh, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And then listen to how he closes this passage here in verse 43. Jesus says, what you say flows from your heart. Jesus is saying that what you and I say, either life-giving words or destructive words, they come from our hearts. Jesus tells us that we have a treasury of things that we have stored up and we're storing them up in our hearts and that is what's going to spill out of our mouths. Store up godly wisdom and outspills godly wisdom. Store up hate, anger, lust, pride, greed, and that's what will spill out. Listen to what James writes in James chapter four. He says to the church, he says, what's causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Don't they come from the evil de desires that war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Then verse three says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives all, are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. James is talking to believers here, those who are in church, Christians. And clearly there's some issues that are going on in the church that James is writing to. But let's be honest, we're a hot mess too, right? The fights, the disagreements, the harsh words on social media that we, we spout out in our cars as we're driving down the highway, all of those things are common among us as well. And I can't help to think that this church isn't much different than ours today. We all want something. We all crave something. Maybe it's to be loved. Maybe we long uh, to be respected or to be heard, to have nice things. But what plays out in my life, what I find happens for me is that when I drift away from Jesus and when I drift away from him being the center of all that my wants and my desires, I find myself dissatisfied. And in that dissatisfaction, all of a sudden, the words that I'm thinking, the words that I'm speaking, the words that I want to type on social media, all of those things start to become toxic and they start to become filled with hurtful things. When I start fighting, when I start fighting and chasing after what feels good, I want to achieve my own goals and not his, I find myself becoming bitter and critical. Paul is warning us and he's saying, when you stop seeking God and you start seeking the pleasures found in this world, what you'll find are quarrels and fighting. In other words, our words will start to bring death and not life. And Jesus teaches us that we should seek the kingdom of God above all else, that we should live righteously, right? That's to glorify him. We're living in right standing with him, to glorify him, that every thought that every word would bring him glory and give him honor. And Jesus goes on to say, and then he will give you everything you need. Psalms 23, the psalmist captures the heart of what God invites us into when he declares, O Lord, you are my shepherd, I shall not want. O Lord, you lead me and I'll follow. When this becomes the cry of our hearts, then we can echo what the psalmist declares that I will not want, that I will have all that I need. 
He doesn't say that I'll have all that I want, but he says I'll have all that I need. And from that posture of living, the posture of living to please him, to to put our eyes and focus on him and have him the center of our lives, then our words will be seasoned with salt. They'll be life-giving to those around us, but it all flows from our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 teaches us that we should guard our hearts above all else, for it determines the course of our lives. Godly wisdom teaches us to protect our hearts, to watch over and safeguard that inner part of who we are, allowing in the things that are life-giving and uplifting while keeping out the distractions and the destructive things and the damaging things. What we allow to consume our attention, what we find ourselves wanting has a profound impact on the course of our lives. Do we want and desire God above everything else? And if we were to listen to godly wisdom, and if we were to apply the godly wisdom in our lives, how would that change the way we think and talk? So if you're following along in your notes, write this down for the first one. Godly wisdom changes how I talk to myself. I think I'm probably my worst critic In June of last year, if you were here, I talked about the fact that I am a recovering pessimist. Uh, I see the glass is half empty, right? That's how the lens of my world, I view it that way. And I struggle with how I think. I struggle to apply godly wisdom to what what I process here between my ears. I plan for the worst, and I'm convinced that everything that can go wrong will go wrong. That's how I think. I drive Pastor Brian crazy. We were just at Hume and he's like, dude, not everything will go wrong. Now I've also come to embrace, and I do believe that the Lord has created me. He's created the way that I see the world and the perspectives and the lens that I see things through. My ability to predict the potential flaws in the best of plans can be used for good, right? It's not all bad. It's not all negative, right? Even though I just told you I'm a pessimist, right? It's not all negative. It can be good. But the thing is, is when I I still struggle with that internal dialogue and it easily spirals into worry and fear. When that happens, my eyes go off of Jesus. They go onto the problems that I think will happen even though I do understand that most of the time what I think will go wrong never does, right? Philippians 4, 6, Paul and Timothy are instructing us to not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Then they go on in verse 8 to tell us what we should be fixing our thoughts on. And this is what they say. They say that we should fix our thoughts on what is true, what is, uh, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. They say, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What consumes your thoughts? While some of you may relate to my pessimism, others here might struggle with self-worth. And maybe that's because of the way you think, or maybe it's because of words that someone else has actually said to you. Maybe you struggle with a failure from your past or regret over your past. You think that God could never forgive you. Many in this room will struggle with impure thoughts. 
As, they, as we mindlessly scroll social media, we fill our minds with all kinds of pictures and words that aren't edifying and glorifying to the Lord. There's that internal dialogue that says we're not good enough. We're not as good as so-and-so. Pastor Jeremy speaks better than I do. Pastor Brian's funnier. You look in the mirror, you say things like, my ears aren't, aren't even. And just so you know, mine aren't. Uh, or my nose is too big, right? But when we open God's word, godly wisdom teaches us that he created us, that he knew you in your mother's womb and that he delights in his creation. And yet we stand in the mirror and we criticize ourselves and we put ourselves down and we put down the, the image of what God has created. You were created by God a loving father who delights in what he's created. Godly wisdom counters the lies that fill our minds. Whether that internal dialogue is rooted in insecurities or whether someone else made us feel those ways about ourselves, godly wisdom can help us change the way we talk to ourselves. Psalms 19, 14, the, the psalmist declares, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. What do you think when you're driving down the road? What's going through your mind when you're in the shower in the morning? What are you thinking about when you're eating your breakfast or when you're sitting at your desk at work? What are the thoughts that you allow to consume your mind? What is it that you meditate on? Are those things pleasing and honoring to God? Do they fit the description of what Paul and Timothy would say that we should fix our, our thoughts on in Philippians 4.8? Listen to what Paul says uh, when he writes to the church in Rome in Romans 12, one, through, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living and whole, a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. I love that. God's will for you and I is for God. It's good and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. And he invites us into a relationship with him that changes the way we think. And this is how we worship him, by living a life that doesn't copy the patterns, it doesn't copy the behaviors, it doesn't copy the customs of our society and the world around us. When we look to God's word for instruction and we learn to apply it in our lives, when we stop trying to copy uh, the lives of the, those around us, when we learn to silence the lies that we conjure up or that others have told us in our minds when we realize that we're lost without him, that we need him desperately, he transforms us. He begins to change the way we think. He renews our minds and we learn to speak the words of the one who created us. Words that bring life and not death. When we meditate on God's word, we will find godly wisdom that changes the way we talk to ourselves. Fill this in for the second one. Godly wisdom changes how I talk to others. 
But godly wisdom changes the way I think and godly wisdom changes the way I talk to others. Talking about our mouth getting us into trouble. Several years ago, uh, me and Shannon, my wife Shannon back here, we're driving down the road. We are having a wonderful day. I believe it was a Saturday. We both had the day off and uh, we were um, getting our house cleaned up and getting the yard straightened and we'd gone to the grocery store. It's one of the things that we really enjoy doing. Now, you might be like, well, that's weird. Pastor Tommy is a little strange. Uh, they like cleaning their house. We really do. We, we're type A's and so we like things in order. And so after a busy week of things falling apart, we enjoy spending time together, getting everything back together and ready for the next week, right? It's just enjoyable and we're having a great day and we're just driving down the road, giggling and telling stories and just having a great day. This happened to be uh, our son Kyle's birthday. Uh, it was, we were gonna have some of his friends over in that evening. Uh, and so we were out running our errands, picking up stuff for the birthday party. We had stopped at Little Caesars. We got some pizzas. You know, I think it was when Kyle was like 14, something. It was about 10 years ago, something like that. He's a teenager. We picked up all these pizzas for him and his friends, and we're just having a great time. Marital bliss. I mean, just it's a wonderful time between the two of us. And we're leaving our last errand, and we're driving home. And mind you, we had just picked up pizzas, okay? So don't judge me. I said, kind of in this tone, babe, you know what I love? And she, her heart warmed. She said, babe, I don't know. What do you love? And I said, pizza. <laughs> now, I love my wife. And I love her so much. I, I, I tell her all the time. But I love pizza, too. <laughs> Even Little Caesars. And it had just filled the car. And I just wanted some pizza. But... You know, and so words, they come out of our mouths and we wish that we could pull them back in. Now, fortunately for me, this particular time, Shannon got a pretty good laugh out of it. We still joke about it to this day. She got a kick that I was going to use this uh, in the message today. We'll be driving down the road and she'll just say, babe, you know what I love? And we'll just laugh. Um, but I felt horrible. When I play that back, I can see where she would have thought that I was going to express my deep love for her. But our words can get us into hot water sometimes, can't they? Going back to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, 45, what you say flows from what is in your heart. It's saying, it's that old saying, it's the, I don't think it's an old saying, but it's the saying that garbage in, garbage out, right? What you put in is what's going to come out. What you allow to consume your thoughts, what you allow to consume your time, the good and the bad, right? All of it, whatever you uh, allow to take up residence within your heart, the Bible teaches us that it's, it's our heart that determines the course of our life and from it flows what we say. When I'm filling my heart and my mind with godly wisdom, that's what's going to come out of my mouth. And that produces life, both in me and in those around me. It's funny how God works. Uh, the moment that uh, we started talking about the Wise Up series, 
it was like the Lord illuminated Proverbs 21, 23 for me. I was like, I know what it is. I sent Pastor Dave a message, didn't want anybody else to take this topic. Boom, this is what I'm gonna preach on. And I started praying and figuring out what I was gonna do. And, I've, uh, and the moment that happened, it felt like I had a billion opportunities uh, to watch my mouth. Uh, I was driving uh, on Highway 99. We live in Modesto, just on the edge of Modesto. And so we drive into Turlock. And so I'm on Highway 99 a lot. If you've ever driven 99, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's just a hot mess out there. A car came up behind me out of nowhere. It whipped around me. It, it nearly caused an accident with me and other cars. And in that moment, I, I tensed up, right? I tensed up. It startled me and I freaked out a little bit. And I was like, hey, you dummy slow down, right? That's what, that's what all of you say when somebody, you're so kind in your words, right? And then I started dreaming about them being pulled over by the CHP, right? Like maybe there'll be a cop out here somewhere. Why is there never a cop when you need one? While I was probably already speeding, you know, judging uh, all of those things. But how does the Lord want us to respond in those kinds of situations? As simple as that is, how does the Lord really want us to respond? When what naturally comes out of our mouths or what comes out of my mouth, I won't put you guys on, on uh, blast. I say what comes out of my mouth a lot of times uh, is directly connected to my heart. And I have to confess that it doesn't always glorify him. When we recognize our need for Jesus and we turn to him and when we seek to fill our hearts with godly wisdom, our hearts are changed. And as we grow in our relationship with him, his love begins to pour out of us. It changes the words that we speak about ourselves and it changes the words we speak to others. Write this down for the third point. Godly wisdom leads me to talk to God. This is repeated time and time again in church, but that's because it's important. We need to pray. We need to learn to pray. We need to learn to pray more. When we think that we've prayed all that we can pray, we need to keep on praying. We need to pray. I can't say it enough. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. If we expect to know and understand godly wisdom, we must first get to know God. And in order to get to know him, we got to talk to him. I didn't get to know my wife by just sitting on the couch next to her. I know her intimately because I've taken the time to talk with her, to listen to her, share her life with me. And then in turn, she's listened to me share my life with her. We talk, we have conversation. The give and take of ideas, of dreams, of hopes, of disappointments, that's Simply what prayer is, is talking to God, sharing your life, your hopes, your dreams, your disappointments, your frustrations. It's a conversation. And God already knows everything I'm thinking. He knows everything you're thinking, right? He knows everything about you. He but yet he still desires for you to open up and allow yourself to be known by him. To be the one who says, Lord, I want to open up who I am. I know you already know all of this stuff, but I just want to share my life with you. 
It's us opening the door to our dreams and our hopes, to our failures, to our disappointments, so that we can be known by him, allowing him to know us. All of those dark places within our hearts, all of those areas that we think that we've hidden from him and we've kept quiet that nobody knows about, allowing him into those spaces so that he can bring healing and so that he can bring hope. When we blow it, we make a mistake. It can be difficult to own up. Like when we did something when we were a kid that we weren't supposed to, right? And our parents came in the room and we're like, well, we'll just try and hide it. We're just going to pretend, right? We knew, right? As a parent, you knew what your kids were up to. You knew when they were doing something wrong. And sometimes you just waited for them to come and confess. Shame, regret, grief, fear, all keep us from going to God when we're hurting when we make a mistake, when we're frustrated with life, and yet God desires for us to come to him, to share our life with him. We read about the life of David in the Bible and God chooses him to be king of Israel. In 1 Samuel 13, we read that God was seeking out a man after his own heart and he appointed David as king. Then we read in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, but God removed Saul, replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. But David made some pretty significant mistakes. If you've read anything about David and Samuel throughout the Old Testament, you'll know that at one point, he takes another man's wife for himself. And then to cover up his tracks, he has that man murdered. Pretty serious. The prophet Nathan comes to David and calls him out on it. David isn't even confessing because he has the guilt of it and goes to God. He actually has to be caught in his tracks by the prophet Nathan. But David's response is one of humility. It's one of confession. It's one of brokenness. And we read about that brokenness in Psalm 51. But I love the part of Psalm 51 where David cries out, Oh Lord, create in me a clean heart. We all have things in our lives that keep us from feeling fully known and open to God. My cry is, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a loyal spirit within me and restore to me the joy of your salvation. God desires that we allow him to know us. He desires for us to open up, to be real, vulnerable, and honest with him, to know him and to be fully known by him. What would it look like if we truly sought him with all of our heart? If we didn't just have knowledge about God, but that we actually began to know him and have a relationship with him? if we stopped relying on our own understanding and we began to acknowledge him in all the things that we do, how would, that our effect, how would that affect our relationship with him? How would that in turn affect the words that we speak and that we think about ourselves? How would that change the words that come out to your children, to your neighbor, to your spouse, to your coworkers? Listen to what the words of James in James chapter three, verse two, it says this. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. 
And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. So blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. So how do we walk in godly wisdom with our words? We need to guard our hearts. What does that look like? Well, first, I think it starts with getting to know God. It looks like time spent reading the Bible. It looks like time spent talking with him. And from there, I think it can look like a whole lot of different things, depending on where you are in life. Maybe it looks like evaluating the movies and the TV shows that you're allowing into your heart and into your mind. Maybe it looks like being mindful of the music that you allow to affect your perspectives. Maybe it's something as simple as just setting your phone down and picking up God's word. And I'm not saying that we've got to get rid of TV, that it's bad or that movies are bad or that music is, is not something that you should be uh, enjoying. I'm, I'm simply saying, what if you and I paused today and we took a, a moment to evaluate what is consuming our time out of the treasury of what's stored up in our hearts? That's what will spill out of our mouths. What could our lives look like if we began to meditate on his words? We spent time talking to him throughout our day, all day long. The Bible teaches us to pray without ceasing. How could that change the way you think and talk? What if the words you and I thought were life-giving and worthy of praise? What could happen in the city of Patterson? What could happen in the New Life Patterson Campus Church? What could happen in your homes? What if we responded to others from that treasury of godly wisdom stored up in our, in our hearts? What are you meditating on? Is it pleasing to the Lord? Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that uh, you're here in this place and that you love each and every one of us and you are inviting us into a relationship with you and that in that you want to renew our minds, Lord, that will be healed from the things that we think and the things that we do and those things that we say, Lord, that uh, you, you talk about words so often and how they matter and they bring life or they bring death. And Lord, I pray that we will choose uh, to be a people who meditate on you and the things of you so that the words that come out of our mouths that we read in Colossians that be seasoned with salt, 
that will change the course of other people's lives for your purpose and for your glory. Lord, we ask all of these things. In your name we pray. Amen.